Hello again, this is Father Kelly Edwards speaking now of day five of our trip. I'm still at the Hotel St. Gabriel in Bethlehem, but we are about to leave. Headed to Jerusalem today. We've gone through the edge of it a couple times, but now we're going into Jerusalem. But day five. So yesterday I said that there kept being fish for breakfast, that I hadn't had any, and that I probably wouldn't. So I decided to change that. There were two kinds of fish. One was salmon and one was something more intense. It tasted like maybe the lox you might get on a bagel, something like that. Um, but this was intense. It was, oh, it, it, it dominated every other flavor. It was, it was fish. I'm glad I had it. I don't think I will again for breakfast today. Uh, I can see why it was good, but oh, way too much. Okay. So after the fishy breakfast, get in the bus as we usually do and began to head across town out of Bethlehem. We drove through the Valley of Gehenna, the valley that is mentioned in scripture that is called Gehenna, the Valley of Hell, the Valley of Fire. And you can see why it's called that. I mean, the reason it's called that um, sort of most objectively is that it was where they would burn all of the things left over from the temple sacrifice outside Jerusalem. So there was always a uh, perpetual fire going there, and I'm sure refuse and trash and gross stuff, even in the first century. Um, even And then this part of the valley isn't by Jerusalem, but uh, it hasn't improved in its name. Uh, it was, A, pretty steep and harrowing, and we were all super impressed that our bus driver got our big bus up and down these hills safely. Uh, there was some uh, generous use of the road, you might say, but everything worked out fine. Um, the valley itself is unfortunately quite full of trash and debris uh, because, not just because of the name, but because there's some strange situation going on with the security. Um, basically in Bethlehem, or in, um, not Bethlehem anymore, but this part that we were going to, uh, Bethany, there we go. For some reason, there are neither Palestinian police forces or Israeli police forces there. So effectively, it's a lawless land. So I guess that means uh, no one stops people from dumping trash and who knows what else down in this valley. It's a weird situation. It's it's disconcerting, but we made it through safely. So I guess that's something. Anyway, so up and down, through, down, and down into and then back up to this valley. But we were on our way to Bethany, to the churches over the place of the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And in fact, we got to go into the tomb where Lazarus was buried, at least for the first time. The tomb where Jesus stood outside, told the crowds that, you know, spoke about the resurrection, Martha did, and then Jesus called him to come out. The crowds doubt, Lord, there will be a stench. The Lord, the, uh, Lazarus comes out anyways. So we're able to, it's of course been you know built over now by centuries of other churches and things like that, um, but you can still go down to um, what would have been ground level where Christ would have stood to call out Lazarus, and then in fact go down into the tomb. We went and saw the church upstairs, of course, uh, very old, several centuries of churches built on top of it. Uh, then we began to move into get back on the bus, move to the uh, well. People took some camel rides in the parking lot first. That was rather interesting. I did not take a camel ride, but it was fun to watch those that did. So next we get into the, get back into the bus and head out into the Judean wilderness, which 
is a desert for sure. Um, lots of dusty hills. It could have been Utah or Nevada or something like that. Um, dusty, gravelly hills, brown, only little spots of green. But the reason we were going out there is to go to the Valley of the Shadow of Death, which is not just a metaphorical place in the 23rd, 22nd Psalm, but it's a real place. It's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death because it is a part of the valley that is so, the valley that runs from Jericho to Jerusalem, that is so steep that the sun doesn't get down into the very bottoms of the valley. And so it was a place that robbers would hide to ambush people on their way from Jericho to, to Jerusalem. You know, remember the, the parable of the, good, of the Good Samaritan. This is what happened. He was passing through this way, and he got ambushed in this place. The Holy Family had to pass through here as well. Um, lots of people passed through here because it was the way to get from Jerusalem to other parts. And so you had to pass through it because you had to follow the water because you're in the desert. But this one place was particularly dangerous because it's full of caves all around that robbers could hide in. But it was also staggeringly beautiful. Um, these very steep, rocky cliffs, uh, water flowing down from one of the sides of the cliff with the river in the bottom. Um, even in one corner, there was um, a, not a corner, but a bit down the valley in a very uh, steep part was actually a monastery built into the side. It was a traditional place where the prophet Isaiah uh, prophet Isaiah hid from Queen, um, not Queen Esther, whatever queen was chasing the prophet Isaiah. Um, also, perhaps a place that I think they said, no, not the wise men. That was a different monastery. Um, somebody else said that, but it was, a, it was a Greek Orthodox monastery literally built into the hillside of the Valley of the Shadow of Death. Um, myself and one of the people on the, on the trip uh, walked pretty far down into it. Um, it was actually pretty passable down the side that we were on. Um, there was an old Roman aqueduct at the very bottom we wanted to see, but it was uh, a little bit too far for the time that we had to get down. Uh, you know, our group was going to leave soon. So, uh, but it would have been so much fun to just boulder around the rocks all day. And you could, you could explore the valley all day. Then we got back in the bus and we headed towards the Jordan, towards the Jordan River, to the place where Christ was baptized by John the Baptist. Now, I forget the the exact archaeological reasons why they're sure of it. Um, something to do with even non-Christian things or you know, the records of, of wars. For some reason, it was very clear. Um, you know, no one really disagrees that this was the spot. So we went down there and we had mass kind of in a, in a little chapel, not really a chapel, in a, in a pavilion with an altar in the middle of the plaza outside, you know, kind of right just on the east side of the Jordan River. And for an outdoor mass of people milling around, it actually went really well. The, the forklifts and the construction equipment stopped during the consecration and the elevation. So that was a blessing. Um, but we did have some people milling a bit close and kind of, you know, gawking at mass happening. But that is what it is. There were some people, uh, many people there were Catholic groups like ourselves, um, you know, praying beside the water and renewing our baptismal promises. Uh, there were some people being, quote, rebaptized, um, which, uh, theological sidebar, uh, nobody should do because baptism is a one time thing. When you are baptized, original sin is washed away and the sacrament is done. Now, some of our Protestant brethren, well-intentioned, do rebaptism, But I think what they're looking for is the sacrament of confession. 
They want a renewal, a you know, starting over, a cleansing of their sins. Naturally for them, who, who gave up the sacrament of reconciliation back in the day, they want something to do that. And so I think they turn to, quote, rebaptism. But uh, I would discourage anybody from doing that because it's not how the sacrament's supposed to work. The sacrament of baptism, you know, as the church has, as the Christian community has discerned over centuries, is a one-time act. And then there are other means for forgiveness of sins and the fresh start later in life. Um, so if you do go to the Jordan River, um, renew your baptismal promises, take off your shoes, wade in the water, perfectly fine. Um, but don't get, you know, quote, rebaptized, because while a nice spiritual intention, theologically it's not a, it's not a thing, and we don't want to go around doing um, things that aren't a thing. Uh, we don't want to go around sort of misusing the sacraments as God intended them. So go to the Jordan River. It's excellent. It's, it's really a beautiful place. Um, it's, of course, a very special place where John was baptizing Jesus. The Lord spoke from heaven. The Spirit descended in the form of a dove. Um, and then Jesus began his ministry. So a very special place. If you get a chance, do please go. But remember that um, what baptism is, uh, especially as a Catholic. So then beyond the River Jordan, we went to uh, the Qumran Scrolls area, to the, where, the, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, obviously, you can't go up into the caves, but you can get rather close to them uh, and see the, the remains of the Qumran community there. Um, it's actually, the, the pictures make it look like it's uh, way up in a deep valley, but actually it's not. It's pretty approachable. Um, I was expecting it to be up on the on the huge side of a big mountain, but really it's, it's not. It's... Um, the cave is somewhat below the main ground level, down in a valley, and you know maybe 60 feet away from the observation area, maybe 100 feet away. Um, so it's inter- interesting. Uh, my all the descriptions of the, of the Essene community there that that made or that were part of the that community that wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. They sound like Benedictines, honestly. They live in community. They have certain rules about. Um, community life. They eat together often in silence. They pray together. They work. Uh, sounds like standard monastic life to me, um, which I guess is the point. You know, monastic life gets invented lots of places around the world. So we enjoyed that. Watched the sunset behind the beautiful mountains. Um, again, very desert, rocky, you know, not much vegetation mountains, but but very beautiful in their own austere kind of way. Then we went out to the Dead Sea. Um, just because we're right there. There wasn't a lot of spiritual point to it. Um, but, you know, to go float in the Dead Sea, it was only you know, five miles away from Qumran. So we went and enjoyed that. It is weird to float in the water and basically not be able to float deeper in the water. Um, so enjoyed that. Uh, I think I got my phone too salty. It is waterproof, but um, it's being kind of weird. So maybe, maybe it got some grain of salt somewhere it shouldn't be. Anyways, uh, a lovely day, more of a laid-back day. Uh, only have, uh, I don't have quite as much to say today about other days, but um, to see that, quote, Judean wilderness um, does give more perspective for the arduous journey, the, the difficulty it is to make journeys in this area, especially people who are going on foot. Um, you know, when we were in Tiberias, it was pretty green, um, not, not too hard to traverse by, uh, and then even in places like Bethlehem, it doesn't look too bad. But when you get outside of that, 
you know, where cities are now. You can see why there are no cities there. It is very sparse, very barren, um, very desert again. It's like, it's something like kind of the des- American Southwest where there's a lot of rock and not a whole bunch else. So you can see why um, it's difficult to travel and why hermits uh, went out there to pray because it is uh, very much a prayer, a place of isolation where one could find God, um, hopefully not robbers. So thank you for listening today. Again, know of my prayers, and please pray for all of us. God bless. 